Welcome to the Scoreboard Podcast. I'm Eddie Sun, joined by Reagan Griffin Jr. and Michael Fumafredo. On this episode, we'll talk about the Trojans' much-needed wins against Washington and Washington State last week, talk about who has been the MVP of the team so far, and look forward to this week's action. So let's begin with their win against Washington. And this was coming off three straight losses. They returned home uh, during the game. They were down at halftime. They were down for a good good portion in the game. And it seemed like if they lost that game against right. Washington, who was last, uh, who is last in the Pac-12, and you know if they lost that game, that would Could be spell disastrous. disastrous. Yeah. And fortunately, even though Onyeka missed that game and then the subsequent uh, subsequent game against Washington State, they did pull out the victory, uh, 62-56. to 56. They pulled out the victory against Washington State, 70-51. to 51. So um, just some observations from those wins. Shout out to Isaiah Mobley, man. I mean, that dude, since you mentioned Isaiah or Onyeka being out, Isaiah was the guy that they tasked to go down there and bang down low with uh, Isaiah Stewart the entire time. And this that's a top draft prospect in this yeah. upcoming draft. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for Mobley to handle him the way that he did, you know, he still got his shots off. But for him to go just 13 points and 11 rebounds, for, for what you asked of him, I think that's about as good as you can get um, for a job from Isaiah Mobley, who's really not a big man. He, he's big in terms of his height. He's 6'10", but he's, you know, really more of a perimeter wing Esque player in terms of his play style, but no, he went down there and he played him extremely well. I thought, and I think that was ultimately the reason why the Trojans were able to come back and win that game was mm-hmm. Isaiah Mobley's efforts, both on the offensive and defensive ends of the floor. Dude was phenomenal. Yeah, Mobley definitely played a great game. But I looked at how much this team has grown since we first saw them back in October, November, and yeah, well, obviously we lost to Washington earlier in the season, but just to come back and rebound the way that he did, the Trojans look like they can contend in the Pac-12 tournament and the NCAA tournament. And you saw that senior leadership that you wanted to see, especially down the stretch from Nick Rakosevich and uh, Jonah Matthews. Those were the guys that came up with a lot of the big shots to close out that game. And that's what you really need to see from those guys, especially once we start talking about the Pac-12 tournament, March Madness. It has to be the guys who have been there and done that, that step up and take the lead and take the charge, really, in terms of really you know closing out those tough games. And uh, going back to Mobley, I actually think that because of his strength, like his sheer strength, he's mm-hmm. he's a little heavier than I think than Onyeka. Oh, yeah. As a post as a post defender against uh, a post threat like Isaiah Stewart, he uh, he might have been a better matchup against him than maybe even Onyeka. That's not to say ah, Onyeka. Let's, let's not yeah. get crazy. It's Onyeka Kongwu, but. I, I do agree with you that he's really sneakily strong. And you, you mm-hmm. look at a guy like Nick Rakosevich and you think, well, yeah, that's the center. But, yeah, Mobley's, you know, he's heavier than mm-hmm. Nick Rakosevich. And I, he really showed his chops as a post defender uh, on that day. Uh, he yeah. held him to what? You know, five of nine shooting from the field. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he's only putting up nine yeah, shots says something. that's more telling than the than the percentage right. itself. But uh, we knew this from a Mobley when he was coming into the season as a high recruit that he was – extremely skilled for someone of his size right. that that's why he was a five-star recruit uh we've seen that it took him a while to get acclimated because i think the speed of the game was you know faster than uh than he was accustomed to in high school mm-hmm. but you know against washington 10.7 rebounds for assists a little bit of everything you know like he can be an offensive hub on the interior and stretch i don't even think know. it was the speed of the game per se it was just an awkward fit since you already had rakosevich and onyeka out there um, and I almost think that in Onyeka's concussion, you know, obviously you never want to see a dude go down and have to sit out games, but his being out has almost forced Mobley to step into that spotlight and become the player that we all thought he was going to be. And he's handling it all, you know, with extreme class and grace. And he's really stepping up to be 
that guy, which is only going to help this team in the long run because we're going to need Onyeka and Isaiah and Nick and Jonah and Ethan to all be at their best. So, you know, for Isaiah to step out uh, and step up the way he has in recent games uh, is very promising for this team. Yeah, definitely. We talk about his fit on the team and how he's going to play with a guy like Rakosevich, who's been on the team for four years. Now it's his senior year as a leader. Another guy in Okongwu who's becoming like the best player on this team right now. And yeah, his fit wasn't right in the beginning of the season. Then he became the sixth man. And that's when we really started to see him turn into the player he is. Right. So now he comes back into the starting role. And I think he can definitely see a future where he's got league potential in a few years. Right. And I almost wonder if you're Coach Enfield, right, and you see the way or Isaiah is able to play well off of Nick Rakosevich, I almost wonder if you look to uh, Isaiah and Onyek, excuse me, an Isaiah and Onyeka lineup once Onyeka comes back hmm. as opposed to a Nick and Onyeka lineup because that fits always been a little bit awkward because both of those guys want to consume the paint area, hmm. uh, you know, eliminating some of the spacing for those guys. If you get Isaiah and Onyeka, I, I'd be interested to see what, uh, you know what that looks like for this team. I think that would help on defense a little bit too, just because Onyeka and Rakosovic are both lanky guys. You br- mm-hmm. We talk about Mobley's strength and how that played well against Isaiah Stewart, and I think you definitely have a point there where you talk about how he would fit on the defensive side as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the fit would be nice, but you know, is Coach Enfield really going to tell a senior to you yeah, know, that, yeah that's, in yeah, his that's, final season to to ride the, you know go especially go at off, the end of the season? The bench, right? I mean, even then, because uh, the scoring punch that Nick Rakosovich can provide off the bench mm-hmm. that could be something that they need because off the bench, I'm not sure if I'm confident in in a Weaver mm-hmm. from game to game. He's it, sure he's shown his flashes, right? Mm-hmm. But you know, on a consistent basis, I'm yeah. not sure if I can point to uh, Eth- or Elijah Weaver and say, hey, that's the six man. Yeah. And even uh, Isaiah coming off the bench has shown his flashes from a uh, defensive standpoint mm-hmm. and from a you know really just an overall gameplay standpoint but I don't really see a score off the bench mm-hmm. but and, yeah offensively they've been lacking yeah. off so the that bench. could be a source of you know that could be the way this team really you know becomes a cohesive unit if you say Nick I need you to get these points off of the bench still play your minutes but just play it in a different you know role as mm-hmm. the six man let Isaiah step up and be that starting player I think that works a lot better than playing Nick and Onyeka together it's mm-hmm. not necessarily an indictment on his talent it's just saying this fits better as in terms of mm-hmm. making this team operate it was also good to see that throughout the game the Trojans, like they, uh, like they did when they played Washington the first time, they really struggled with that three-two zone mm-hmm. that Washington throws out there, and um, they still struggled during the game, but they really held in theirs. Where you know they still shot what thirty-six percent from the field, twenty-five percent from three, but they also held Washington to worse percentages, and it was good that they didn't let the same kind of things that brought them down in their first matchup where they lost by what 40 right mm-hmm. and they didn't let that get to them again we don't talk about that game <laughs> um some other notable what moments game? demar Derozan got his jersey retired mm, that it, was awesome that was yeah that was great that was very awesome especially to see all the former usc players come out here benny Boatwright, chamezi matu kevin porter kevin porter and you know the students came out full force yeah right? you know they, they were offering free jerseys free demar Derozan jerseys at the beginning of the game the line stretched all the way out past down the stairs and out towards the back of the stadium, which just you know that mm-hmm. sound. That's I'm not sure if that's yeah. telling more of people wanting the free well, jerseys. I mean, well, to your, even more important, they stayed through the entirety of the game that for the most true. part. That like the student section was packed. I mean, yeah, the student section's actually been selling. That's been helping us this season. Shout out to you guys. Uh, I was watching during the Stanford game. People stuck oh, through yeah, it the whole was, time. Even that was a great one. Down at 
20 at half and the student section was still standing on their feet to mm-hmm. start the second Although half. Although we know someone who didn't stay for the entirety of the game. I had ah. somewhere to be. Ah. <laughs> I had somewhere to be. Mm-hmm. Um, also, uh, from Washington side, Jane McDaniels, who's also a NBA prospect, he's kind of been struggling in conference play, but he did have a really good game for Washington. The athleticism was off the charts. Uh, of course, USC ended up winning the game, but it was cool to see him, you know, an NBA prospect get some gameplay. Multiple NBA mm-hmm. prospects, yeah. really. Uh, so against Washington State, a 70-51 to 51 win, Dominant. a pretty big blowout. Uh, Daniel Utomi, 8 of 15 from the field, and again, without Onyeko Kongwu. 5 uh, of 10 from 3, too. Yep, contribu- uh, contributions from across the board, Weaver with 11 points off the bench. Um, so all of a sudden with two wins, whereas last week we were talking about, uh-oh, is this, you know, is this doom for the Trojans team? It's all of a sudden a very positive outlook yet what, again. What I well, say last week? Relax, okay. It, it was it was tough games, um, but you know ultimately those things you have your ebbs and flows throughout the course of a season. This team has proven to be a good team, and you know there was no reason to panic or hit the panic button. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not hitting the panic button bit. yet, but we do got to look at the upcoming schedule for the mm-hmm. Trojans, where Colorado, Arizona, and Arizona State all teams that they lost to earlier in the mm-hmm. year. The Arizona games, those are going to be at home, but definitely this upcoming game against Colorado on Thursday is going to be, yes, very important, especially if Onyeka Okongwu still isn't ready to go. Exactly. They're going to need Onyeka or, you know, even Isaiah to step up big if he can't go, but Onyeka would be a big help in that game. Mm -hmm. And yet these games will definitely be very important because they're the teams directly ahead of them in the conference right Mm now. Three out of the the five teams I think that they play are sitting ahead of them in the standings right now, and they're really... I think just a game back, game or half a game from the number one seed, even. Yeah. So that and USC the, is is five right now, and getting that top four seed gives them a buy in the in the which would help my court. schedule out. <laughs> so if I'm going out to cover it, that'd be great if they didn't have to play Wednesday. But this isn't about me. Um, Let's but, talk about uh, who you guys think has been the MVP of the team so far, halfway through conference play. I'll save mine for last. <laughs> All right, I guess I'll start off and. I just checked how many games back USC is right now. We're one behind Arizona State and basically one and a half games out of the first place spot. That's what I'm but saying. It's so tight up there. Yeah, definitely. The we, if they win against Arizona or Arizona State, that's one, two spots you go up. Mm-hmm. And who knows, maybe an upset of Colorado. It could be sitting at number one. But oh, no. I think when we talk about team MVPs, it's got to go to Oneko Okongwu. He's... Leading the team in points, rebounds, and blocks with three blocks per game, which is That's absurd at, for a 6'9 player. And USC is top 15 in blocks in the entire country right now. Thanks but, to Onyeka. Yeah, much. he's playing 30 minutes a game, which is tough for a big man as well. And when you look at who's had the biggest impact and made this team better, I think it goes to Big O coming in as a freshman and leading this team. Mm. Mm. Um, so I have Daniel Utomi, and if... Anything because he struggled at the beginning of the season when USC was playing non-conference teams, but he's really stepped it up playing against uh, Pac-12 rivals. And I believe that he's been shooting 40% from three uh, during the stretch uh, against needed. Pac-12 teams. Yep, And and really it's, um, it's his shooting that's keeping us in the game offensively for the most part, especially with Onyeko Kongu out lately. Um, and even with him in, when there is an interior presence, and they collapse the paint on them, there needs to be someone who hits shots on the outside. And um, Anderson has struggled to that point lately. Um, Jonah Matthews has been on or off, but it's really been Utomi who consistently gets baskets outside. Yeah, just a quick note before Regan gives his big reveal on who his team MVP is. Who's it going to be? We talked about guys that are going to step up and have a couple streaky games 
That's what you told me he's doing right now. He had oh, yeah. 22 against Arizona, 15 against Arizona State, and then 23 on Saturday against against Washington State. So if you continue that hot streak, I don't oh, yeah. see this that, team that losing. That would be soon. huge. And you both make very strong points for your team MVPs. But let me tell you, oh, here we go. It's Ethan Anderson. <laughs> And I know the numbers won't back that up. You look at his uh, statistics per game over the course of the season, that's not going to say or scream MVP. But I watch the games, and I see that that offense does not run the same without Ethan Anderson handling the ball and facilitating things. Even though he doesn't put up the greatest stats, I know that, you know, even there's a reason why he's starting right now. And that's because this team can't trust a Jonah Matthews or an Elijah Weaver or a Quentin Adler to handle the ball and facilitate the offense. And there's a reason why he's playing, I think, the fourth most minutes per game of anyone else on the team. It's because he is the engine. No, I won't say he's not that. I want Onyek is the engine that makes the offense go. But the Pistons, that's Ethan Anderson, man. Like I'm the gasoline. Telling, yes, he's the, the mitochondria. I'm telling you, Ethan Anderson. The, mi- the mitochondria, what, the powerhouse of the cell. He's the powerhouse of the cell. And I, I, hats off to what he's been doing, in, in a, you know, being a three-star prospect, coming in, really showing his stuff. And I think he has a very bright future ahead of him. And, you know, to me, he's what really makes this USC offense go. What I'm most impressed with him is that he got hurt and had to leave the game Thursday against Washington. It seemed like a pretty bad injury to his lower Dude, leg, and he tough. was hobbling. And then he came back again on Saturday and played, you know, starter minutes. Same thing that happened against UCLA. Mm-hmm. Same thing happened against. He's a very tough dude, you know, built. He's not the tallest dude, but he's huge. You know, I've walked by him a couple of times. He's, yeah. he's a big dude, um, and that really helps us, you know, both on offense and on defense. And one mm-hmm. of the my favorite plays, and they run this all the time, is that you know, beginning of the game, he'll pass it to the the right and then they'll set an off ball screen and he'll go catch a lob by the rim Mm -hmm. and that happens you know you know once every couple of games and i really like that play there's just Mm -hmm. it's the little things that he does that i notice Mm -hmm. that really helps this team uh, you know it it pays dividends in the long long run almost like a draymond green right yeah you don't see in the numbers what draymond green does but you watch the game and you notice man this dude's making a huge impact that's the vibe i get from i have to push back a little bit because while i agree with you that he does bring the energy consistently game in and game out it's that you still see flashes of that inexperience in his game oh yeah the and turnovers that, are killer yeah yeah i mean leading the team with turnovers and then also perhaps the shot selection isn't the best 38 percent from the field yeah you know and and um i guess to your point you can say that when anderson is playing well the team does well the problem is when he hasn't done so well in the you know especially conference games the team doesn't do well so while, that so, while, so while Anderson might be integral to the team, you can't really say he's been the most valuable player I mean, he's been on when, and off. When you, when you tell me when he's playing well, they play well, and when he's not playing well, they don't play well, but the problem that is, tells me that he's in, that's indicative of his value to the team, is it not? It does, but that means he needs to be playing well to be valuable. When I mean, he's not, a freshman, though, so let's, of let's course, give him of a little... Course. Yeah, I mean, I'm not... I'm, bit, he's going to be I'm here the for four Ethan years. Anderson dude out here. I'm not going to be... You, you'd be hard-pressed to find me give him a criticism. The turnovers are a thing, but I think that's more an indictment of how much he actually has the ball and facilitates things because I promise you, if you had Jonah Matthews running point guard or Elijah Weaver, turnovers would be just at the same level, if not higher, because those dudes just aren't built. And that's not to say that they're not good players, but they're not point guards. Ethan mm-hmm. Anderson's the only true capable point guard on that on this team, which makes him so important, you know? Good point. All right, let's look ahead to the upcoming schedule. We already alluded to the Colorado game on the road. That's on Thursday and then Sunday against Utah. So um, kind of a, uh, a long travel to the, uh, to, to the I guess, I was about to say Midwest, but it's just the, <laughs> mount, just the mountain time zone. Oh, yeah. Rocky Top. So uh, Colorado, 
Uh, of course, they're they're uh, they're the top in the conference. They beat us last time at Galen Center. This should be a tough matchup. Uh, we saw that they have a good combination of athleticism and interior oh, yeah. size, yeah. and um, also some perimeter threats. So that should be interesting. And then against Utah, which is a team that USC beat, but also struggled to shoot against. Mm-hmm. But you know, that being said, they have struggled to they shoot. They go up and down yeah. Yeah. throughout the course. And this, of the season. that's my worry right now is if we if USC loses this Colorado game. How are they going to go into Utah on the road and handle that game as well? I mean, we've seen them step up in those certain situations, though. Even we though have. They did we have. lose against ASU. They played a, you know, relatively speaking, a good game aside from the foul trouble, um, which I don't think is going to be repeated. But you do have a point. It could be a little bit tougher to go and uh, win another game after having taken a loss to Colorado. But I'm not so sure they lose to Colorado. Really? I mean, we've seen the Trojans struggle on the road lately, but... Um, if I were to have to put my bet, you know, I'd bet on USC to kind of galvanize mm. and kind of regroup and get their act together against some of these road teams. Because while early in the season they kind of struggled at home and seemingly played with more energy on the road against tougher teams, it seemed like it's flip-flopped. But at some point, you'd think that the players would feel the pressure of, you know, trying to make the tournament, especially for the two seniors on the team, oh, yeah. and really, you know, gathering together and, you know, playing their best down the stretch. And, and I don't when- think it's any doubt that we're – that USC is going to make the tournament, I think it's where they want to be yeah. mm-hmm. as like a seed. Right now, I feel Barring like anything, something really, you know, wild yeah, to end the like, season. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But would you rather be a 10 seed, which I still would say is a step up from where I had them earlier. I had them starting off the years, like maybe a first four team mm-hmm. going to Dayton to play. But right now they want to try and get up to that eight or nine. Yeah, right. I've so seen I'd projections of them as a ten yeah. right now, and I mean the seven exactly. ten matchups historically I've seen in the tournament. High, yeah, I've seen been, as, uh, I've seen as high as seven. I've mm-hmm. seen as low as out of the tournament. So wow. you know, there's somewhere yeah. in between. I, I think I agree with the ten to eleven range. Um, but I, you mentioned with the pressure on, they'll galvanize, they'll galvanize as a team. Mm-hmm. We've seen that time and again throughout the course of the season. This team has played. For the most part, their best basketball when the pressure has been on in those close games, in those must-win games. Mm-hmm. Um, in the in, second half. Exactly. In the second half, they, they've they come together. And that's what I really appreciate most about this team is that, you know, when the lights are on and, every, and the things really matter, and all basketball minutes matter, but when it's really time to ball, this team steps up. Mm-hmm. So right. I think that I agree with you. They will... You know, there's no. It wouldn't shock me at all if they go beat Colorado or you know Arizona and or I should say. Mm-hmm. But all I, right, there's no reason to think that they can't finish the game, the season five and up. And just a quick storyline to follow in these next five games. Jonah Matthews is actually ten three pointers away from the USC mm. record. Hmm. Well, jack up threes, Jonah. Just yeah. keep on jacking I mean, them up. You have we five. Won. You have five or five, five games, games to, to do get it, it done. Yeah. Right? Should be doable. Um, We will see how the Trojans do in their road trip against Colorado and Utah and get back to you next week um, with the Scoreboard Podcast. I've been Eddie, joined by Reagan and Michael. Thanks for listening. Thank you for tuning in to The Scoreboard, a podcast covering all things USC sports. Be sure to check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Sports. That's A-N-N Media Sports.